God's word this morning. Hi, I'm Leah. Our Bible reading this morning is from Matthew 6. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others for their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be, Thanks to, God. be to God. The Lord's Prayer turns to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In the English Standard Version, which we had read, it says, forgive us our debts as also as we also have forgiven our debtors. And the, the phrasing in here is from the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is indicating how we are to pray. And he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debts, our sins as we forgive those. And this is a part of the Lord's Prayer when we enter into confession of sin, the acknowledgement that we are in need of God's grace. I love in Anglicanism how we enter into forgiveness constantly. It's a part of our morning prayer, our Compline service, our communion. Before communion, you do confession. And that prayer for purity um, that we open our service with very often, it's all a corporate acknowledgement of our need of forgiveness, but it's also the declaration of God's grace and forgiveness again and again. And Jesus in this prayer, in this part of the Lord's prayer, does what he seems to do again and again, which is call us to do what he offers us. As the Father has loved you, so I now want you to love others. And even earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you need to love your enemies. And so he's indicating a greater love, a God love that's supposed to flow out of us because of the love God has for us. We are called to forgive and to love as we have been forgiven. Well, let's break this down just a little bit more to understand what he's getting at and some of the challenges of it. In verse 12, the portion of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, um, where it's talking about in our traditional reading, we say, forgive us our trespasses. The, the word there is actually debts. Um, it's a Greek word, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this was something that the average peasant listening to Jesus would have understood. They lived in a culture where because uh, their livelihood was a day-by-day -day eking out their existence or they were dependent on the harvest rains that year, they often went into debt um, when challenges arose. And if they couldn't pay off their debts, they understood that they would potentially have to sell off family property or at worst, at, at, the, at the end of all of that, go into, uh, into slavery an indentured servant, because they could not pay off their debts. And I think that that, that's, that gives the, the weightiness to what Jesus talks about in Matthew 18 in the parable of the unmerciful servant when asked how much we should forgive. And the story goes that a certain king was going to go and forgive the debts of his servants. And one servant owed, uh, the amount is essentially $200 billion worth of debt. It, you couldn't live enough lifetimes. It would take 20,000 years worth of an annual salary to pay off the debt that he owed, and the king forgives him. And then he goes out and finds a fellow uh, servant 
who owed him three months worth of wages. And he, he, he basically beats him up and challenges him. And the king is incredibly angry when he finds out because he says, I have forgiven you so much. I forgave you $20 billion and you could not forgive your servant $30,000. That's what Jesus is getting at here when he says we forgive those, you know, we, we pray God forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. But later on, um, Jesus goes a, a step further and he uses the other word. Just after the Lord's Prayer in verse 14 and 15, he says, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So the indication is not just an economic one. It's not just about debts. He's talking about trespasses, basically crossing a boundary, an offense against me. So the indication is either how we have trespassed against God, or others have trespassed against us, or we owe a debt to God and others owe a debt to us. And in both ways, he's calling us to a forgiveness. Theologians have wrestled with what Jesus means when in the prayer he says, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That word as is the hinge. Does it mean, uh, Father, forgive us, similar to how we forgive others? Or is it, um, Father, forgive us, and also we forgive others, and the hope is we actually do both? Or is it actually conditional? In other words, God forgives us, but only if we forgive others. That sounds a little harder. We don't like the sound of that. Is, is it really that God's forgiveness of us is conditional? On us forgiving others the gospel doesn't seem to indicate that if we understand the gospel as a whole and yet in verse 14 and 15 Jesus just after the Lord's Prayer says for if you forgive others their trespasses your Heavenly Father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses But as any of us know who have been hurt by somebody else, and especially if you've been hurt pretty badly or over the course of your life, you've had people offend you again and again, forgiving doesn't seem like justice. Forgiving seems to let people off. We want justice when somebody has hurt us. We want them to pay. And the challenge of forgiveness when we understand forgiveness is that with forgiveness, somebody pays. So the illustration, and I've used this one before, is about a broken window. If the neighbor kids are outside playing baseball and they throw a ball through my window, my window is now broken. So I have a couple of options. Either I can make them pay to replace the window or I can forgive them the debt and either pay to have the window fixed or not fix the window at all, which means I'm going to pay because I'm going to have cold air and bugs and lose money through heat and air conditioning. So no matter what, whether they pay for the window to be fixed or I pay for the window to be fixed or the window remains broken, somebody pays. Either they do or I do. And when we've been hurt, we do not like the idea of having to absorb the cost ourselves. We want revenge. 
And studies have shown, psychological studies uh, studying the, the MRIs of human brains have found that in the process of enacting revenge, the enacting revenge triggers the reward centers of our brain. So the part of our brain that like, likes the joy of ice cream or other sorts of pleasures in life finds pleasure in revenge. Revenge really is sweet. And yet, revenge also enacts a cycle on the brain. When you enact revenge or seek revenge or fantasize about revenge, you actually end up refocusing on the offender and the offense again and again and again, and you can't let it go. In other words, unforgiveness or the bitterness that can sometimes build up around it imprisons us in the original offense again and again and again. Forgiveness is not just letting it go and saying, oh, I don't worry about it, I don't forget about it. It's because we can diminish the offense in that way. It's no longer, it's acknowledging the offensiveness of the offense, the hurt, the trespass, the debt, but it's no longer holding it against the person. It's no longer painting them by the light of that. And it's even getting to the point of desiring the best for them. It's to set them free from the debt they owe us and in the process setting us free. That's why I think what Jesus is getting at here when he says, if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you, is that unforgiveness can be an indicator of unbelief. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to forgive and that it might take years and a process and, and counseling and biblical wisdom and it is going to be painful. But an unwillingness to even enter into a desire for unforgiveness or a desire to hold on and seek revenge, that unforgiveness can be an indicator that you don't really know the God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. You don't really believe the gospel. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 tells us, oh, 1 John 4.20, sorry, says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother cannot love God. In other words, if you actually know God, you can't also say, I hate my brother. You can say, I hate my brother, I, I refuse to forgive, if you don't fully grasp who God is. But as you understand the gospel, it pushes you deeper into the grace and mercy of God. As Romans 5 tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, we owed a debt, and he paid it for us in full. That when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2 tells us, God in his mercy sent Jesus Christ. It is by grace we have been saved. And even though we are sinful again and again because of Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8 tells us. As we say again and again, the gospel assures us, tells us, preaches to us again and again, you are more sinful than you're willing to admit, but you are more loved in Jesus Christ than you can dare to imagine. You are more sinful than you're willing to admit, but more loved in Jesus Christ than you dare to imagine. When that sinks in, you are overwhelmed by the realization that you're not better than anyone else. In the early 80s on the TV show 60 Minutes, Mike Wallace sat down with Yehiel Denor. Yehiel Denor was a survivor of the Holocaust. 
And he asked him about an event that happened 20 years earlier when Yehilna Denor, one of the survivors of Auschwitz, was, uh, was testifying at the trial of Adolf Eichmann, who was essentially the, the Nazi head guy of all the Holocaust and in in that final solution and, and the Nazi prison camps. And Denor said, or the, the, what happened was when Adolf Eichmann entered the courtroom, Denor started sobbing uncontrollably. He went out of control and crying and wailing, and the judge had to restore order. So Mike Wallace, 20 years later, said, what was happening in that moment? Take us back to those feelings. Were you, when you saw Eichmann, were you overwhelmed with rage or with fear? Did you, did you go back and relive what had happened to you in Auschwitz? And Denor said, I was wailing and sobbing because I realized that he was not a monster. He was just an ordinary man like me, which means if he was capable of doing what he did, then so am I. The gospel allows us to acknowledge the depth of our sin and yet be freed from it because of the grace and love and mercy of Jesus. Forgiving others is the fruit of gospel faith. The more we grasp the gospel, the more we let go of our pride, our better than, our I would never do what this person did to me, we see ourselves as capable of anything. And yet we fall on the grace and mercy of the cross that we are forgiven, no condemnation. The more we seek and offer forgiveness, the more the gospel becomes real in us as well. They go back and forth. So we forgive others as God has forgiven us. And as God has forgiven us, we forgive others. Jesus from the cross says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And we see ourselves as the soldiers, as the religious leaders, as Pilate, as Judas, as the ones crucifying and mocking Jesus. And we hear him say, Father, forgive them. And so we offer that same to others. But what does it look like? What if you've been hurt badly? We're going to listen to uh, a God in life testimony uh, from Bruce and Judy Folko. Most of you know them from our church community about God's forgiveness, asking forgiveness, and the challenge and hope of forgiveness in their life and marriage. The video clip that we're going to see is about 19 minutes long. And it's half of a longer conversation that has been posted to our YouTube page. It's an amazing testimony of God working in very painful stuff to feel God's forgiveness and, and live out God's forgiveness with one another. So let's go to that video and then we'll come back to me afterwards. So what we're talking about today is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or depending on the translation, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And it's a prayer that we pray every week in church um, and often pray our whole lives. Um, when you think about that now, in this stage of your life, what are some things that come to mind as you think about forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us? It's so second nature to us, to me, yeah. at this point, mm -hmm. to check myself. 
Yeah. Yeah, which is why I brought up the dishes in the sink. What do you mean the dishes in the sink? Can you we tell had us that? We a conversation that? yesterday about we run <laughs> I don't even know how it came up. And anytime two people live close together, different <laughs> things bother each other, right? And you have your own little personal list. <laughs> and I have mine and Judy has hers. And so whenever they get taken out, I'll be like, oh, okay, so yes, I should, I should vacuum the upstairs, but you should pick up the dishes out <laughs> of the sink because I'm not the only one who can put dishes in the dishwasher. Yeah, so it's, so, so like so it's, it's always, it's always like you hold those little things in and then, but, you know, sometimes we have uh, spats and then the next day work it out. It's usually drinking beer over the fire <laughs> sitting down together and then and then debating something over the grandchildren and in a miscommunication mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but um, little trespasses we do keep real short accounts mm -hmm. um, the bigger trespasses were harder I think harder to forgive um, and I think the the hard part on the trespass thing is it, it's you got to forgive yourself too to be able to you got to accept god's forgiveness so you can then be forgiving of other people and that's where the prayer you know i i get that we have to have a forgiving heart but we we have to accept god's forgiveness before we can give it away hmm. i mean I, I i think that that for me was the i came to christ through romans 7 and 8 and you know, Romans 7, you just like, it, it's dealing with habitual behavior that you don't, you want to put behind you and you keep stepping on yourself. And, but those verses say that you can't do it in the flesh, that you can only do it through, through God and, and through Abba Father. And that's where Romans 8 comes in and, you know, where your spirit cries out, Abba Father, and there's no condemnation of those in Christ. And that's what changed for me. The Our Father is is mm. that that's that's the Father that loves us, and we are His sons. And there are no condemnation for the children in Christ. And if I don't, if I get that upside down, then I'm always using God's forgiveness for human. For example, when we're trying to fix, I was trying to fix the marriage. It's like I wanted to save the marriage, and hey, now I'm a believer in Christ. I've gone to MBC. I giving my heart to Christ. But what I wanted was something from God. I wanted him to save the marriage. My faith was a means to rescue the marriage. And until I gave that up and was willing to give it up later and trust God with the marriage and, and go to Judy and say, hey, I'm still messing up, you know, like number 97. And God made that clear that I had to. And like, that was a big risk. <laughs> To, to listen to God and say, hey, I'm not the person, you know, I'm still messing up. And and to trust God with with that. Um, but that changed our focal point in, in the marriage because, I mean, it blew up the marriage again. But the focal point became God and not the marriage. And we had two different paths, very different paths. Mm -hmm. I mean, Judy still had a lot of stuff and it was much harder when people in McLean were really hard. Um, but um, I, I, that, that's the challenge for me and the, that 
when I just get the forgiveness upside down and I don't go to God and say, hey, I mean, I messed this up and let me see the other person's perspective. Give me that lens. Then I can then I can come back out of a, a position of, of mercy and grace. But if I'm coming back to just say, hey, I'm sorry, I hurt you, which is important. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not really seeing the the, the, the pain or, or just the, is it a betrayal? Is it a lack of trust? Is it just not hearing? I, I, I don't see the root cause. I'm just trying to get the pain to go away. So, yeah. I think for me, I did not understand what forgiveness really entailed. To me, forgiveness meant that everything was going to get fixed. I'm going to forgive, we, you know, we have this big breach in our marriage. I'm going to forgive Bruce, which made me feel very vulnerable. And then everything's going to be fine. And I had some very wise women and some very wise counselors help me work through the idea that Forgiveness was really something that I worked out with God. I'm laying all of my claim to the hurt that I'm feeling at his feet. And I'm leaving justice and whatever consequences to him. And it made me feel just so vulnerable because... I don't know. There's something energizing that holding on to the uh, energizing might be the wrong word. Um, powerful. You 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 feel like you're get, letting go of power, but you are because God has the power to to have justice come from whatever wrong happens and. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two totally different things. I needed to forgive to get rid of my bitterness and to really, by getting rid of that bitterness, I allow God's love to go in and, and allow me to see that I am okay no matter what has happened to me. That he loves me no matter what. And... Like I said before, there it, it allowed me to see, also be safe to see the ways in which I was falling short. That bitterness made me very, very angry. And I was acting out in anger in a self-justified way that, well, you did this to me, so, you know, and that wasn't right either. I didn't like the person I had become at that point. So by really, and it was a process. It was not something I decided on a Tuesday I'm going to forgive today. It took a very long time to pray through it, to work through those feelings that I had, and really, really, truly lay it at God's feet. And I went through um, a counseling group in which you actually took the things either that you did or had been done to you and you lay them physically at the foot of a cross and then you realize it's redeemed and there was a true feeling of freedom at doing that because it didn't have hold over me anymore 
you know, and then it allowed me to be in a place where I could take the next step and be open to reconciliation because I had let it go. And it felt safer to let it go on those terms, you know, because it could still happen again, but I knew that I, I was going to be okay. I knew the safety of being in God's arms because that's what I felt. What role has, and I'm just going to say the cross, the gospel, what Christ has done for us, the forgiveness that God offers us, what role did that play in each of you, and maybe Bruce will start with you, in your coming to faith and understanding your need to both ask for forgiveness and then later to be able to offer it? Sure. Um, so so two, two things kind of that let it happen, let it go, are, are kind of the, this dichotomy that Judy's, I've become a Christian and um, the marriage isn't healing and I'm trying to give it all to God, but my main intent was to heal the marriage and then um, the behavior comes back and I hear God telling me that first that I'm his son and and just in, incredible like I'm confessing and he's just all, all I hear is you know you are my son um, and right back to Abba father and that um, and that that was really powerful when I was at uh, USA arena that finally got torn down and we had another promise keepers thing and I gave my my life back to Christ. I was like, okay, you know, like he, he still loves me. I got rid of my get out of jail free card. I didn't have my mulligan anymore. I mean, I, I, it was a really hard thing. Um, and then God made it really clear to me that I had to confess to Judy. And I did not like that message because <laughs> I knew how upset she was. Um, I, I knew, um, you know, that it was going to hurt her deeply, um, and 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 I, and I just fought against it. And but then I couldn't hear God anymore; like He, he was gone, and um, so I didn't want that. And I, I I wanted to take it to the cross and lay it down and and trust God and not use God as a magic genie to to solve my marriage and to to just trust Him. Um, and that's one of the most powerful in prayers that when you give something up um, to God, if you give up your job, you give up any idol and that he'll take you up on it. So that that's where the cross was. I, I, I it, it was a battle. I mean, it was I thought it seemed like weeks. I think it was just days. I was a coward. I wrote an email and then I thought it would be great. I thought it would all work out. I thought that would be, you know, be fantastic. And, it would, and uh, but that was the beginning of that focal point where we were again, we're on our different journey. We're just totally trusting in God um, and, and believing that he would do it. And, um, and to me, that was 
you know, let it go and then let it happen. And, and those are the dichotomies all the time. I'm always trying to figure out what that verb is. Is it go or happen? Am I passive or am I active? And, and it's really hard. It's, and, and, and it changes in a heartbeat. So, you know, there God was just like, let, let it happen. So off that, that was, that was the moment that, that was a big moment. Um, probably bigger than even, not as big as coming to Christ, but the relationship with Christ changed and the relationship with each other eventually changed. Um, um, the focus was different. The, mm -hmm. the focus was on the, on my heart and not on the result. And, um, there was still time. There was still a lot of healing that had to happen. But that we took it. I took it to the cross for sure that day. Judy, what about you? What role, what role did the cross play for you in, in or or the gospel or something about God's forgiveness of you play in you being able to forgive Bruce or was it the other way around? I think once I realized that God had forgiven me and I hadn't done anything to earn that forgiveness, it made me realize I, I, I felt like I was withholding forgiveness, waiting for the exact outcome that I wanted. And so I was requiring something of Bruce for me to forgive. And forgiving really was just giving up that claim. It, it doesn't get rid of the pain. The pain is still there. But I was really doing what God had already done for me. He was saying, I can handle this. I've covered your sin. I can cover all sin. Put it in my hands. The justice, the outcome anything that's going to happen is in my hands so you know reconciliation was different that required change that required you know a lot of you know, negotiation and things like that but the actual forgiveness was just giving that up and to be honest when bruce confessed at, at that point in the journey that showed me that god was working in him because he actually, whether it was by email or whatever, it was still painful, but it, it, it was coming from him and it wasn't uncovered or came out in other ways. And that was freeing because that, it takes a lot for a person to admit that they did something wrong. And um, so that was something that, that did ease the blow. Of things to know that he was actually confessing and that he was sorry. So I think a lot of times people are hesitant or try to cage it. Like, well, I, what I really meant was that, you know, try to cage an apology, but um, to actually own what you do is very, very powerful in, in asking for forgiveness from somebody. Um, but I knew I, I I understood the depth at which God had forgiven me, and that helped me to move me along to forgive Bruce. And that and the, our Father was a very important part of that process for me. I grew up Catholic; it's a prayer, prayed probably every day of my life. And the pieces of it that came 
together for me was thy will be done. And I think it's interesting, you know, give us this day our daily bread, like give me the strength. Then you come to forgive us our trespasses. So I'm thinking about giving up those pieces of myself as I forgive those who trespass against me and deliver us from evil. So the outcome is already in the prayer that as I forgive, I get delivered from evil. You know, I put myself to sleep with that prayer for many years, you know, just because I didn't want to think about things that were happening or what was going to happen or how things were going to play out. If you just focus on that, our father, you know, every line of that prayer, you know, it, it makes, once you're forgiven, deliver from evil is the next logical step. But only God can do that. Yeah. My friend, what are, what is like a couple things you might say to somebody who's been through some really hard hurts? Hmm. I think it's hard not to blame yourself. There, there's, there's a core in which you think you deserve it or something you did caused it. Um, and that's the piece where when you embrace the fact that God loves you no matter what, it really heals that. Um, I will get through this no matter what. And for me, the only way I could do that was through prayer, through community, with people that were safe. And that, that's another thing is you have to find who those safe people are that can, that can really be there to listen to you. Um, and that God loves you no matter what has happened to you. There is a love that will overcome whatever you have done to it. That sounds cliche, but it's true. <laughs>